0: The bat signal has been lit. Go through the grandfather clock secret entrance and head back to the bat cave. It's time to revisit the Batman animated series with your hosts, Adam and Nick. In this episode, Chris fills in for Nick
1: welcome to another episode of back to the bat cave as always i'm your host adam and with me this time is my co-host chris chris how's it going doing
2: great adam happy to be joining you yet again here on the podcast how are you doing my friend
1: i'm doing fantastically it's always uh it's always fun to get together with you uh and even more so when we're talking about batman which is which is the, the topic of conversation today um specifically um we're going to do something that we've talked about doing uh you know often uh, off-air uh, and that is revisiting uh batman 66 which was uh, a formative uh, batman content for both of us in, uh, in 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 different ways but we'll get to those specifics in a bit but as always um, When there is news uh, pertaining to whatever we're talking about, uh, we cover it and give you our opinion. Uh, Not necessarily Batman 66 related news, but it is Batman. Um, You'll remember that, and it's another formative Batman for both of us. Um, You remember that, I think it was last year, uh, or was it 2021? I can't, the the years are just all jumbled together, the last few of them, so who the hell knows? you know, last year or two years ago, we got the uh, Batman 89 uh, comic book, which was essentially, you know, the sequel, the Tim Burton sequel to Batman Returns. And, and that book uh, discounted uh, Batman Forever and uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, it, it just treated them as if they didn't exist. Um, we, of course, reviewed it. On the on on you know on our network, uh, and I think at the time both of us were really hoping that it would produce uh, a follow up, uh, you know. And luckily, uh, we now have that news that yes, indeed, we are going to get another series set in the world of Tim Burton's Batman. The same creative team of writer Sam Ham, who of course wrote the Batman 89 script. And I think they a treatment for Batman Returns before being replaced by another writer. Uh, and artist Joe Quinones, uh, so the creative team's returning. Uh, this is called Batman Echoes. Um, and it sort of takes place, uh, you know, um, the 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 gist of the the description is that crime is sort of uh, on, on the rise. Batman is missing, and his citizens have taken it upon themselves to sort of you know uh, protect Gotham. And of course, as you might imagine, that goes awry, and and everybody's wondering where Batman is. Uh, that's pretty much all we know in terms of the plot. Uh, there is a cover image by uh, Joe Quesne that. Features uh, Batman uh, in the, I think, believe it's in the background, uh, or no, in, the, in sort of in the middle. There's Arkham Asylum. Uh, there's Red Skies Abound, and we also see uh, this universe's version of a of the Scarecrow, and who I believe the woman in the, in the picture to be to be Harley Quinn. Um, That image, that one cover image, Chris, is leading to a lot of speculation that this book is going to take some cues from the discarded Batman Triumphant script. Remember the movie that was supposed to be uh, the fifth Batman movie, you know, starring um, George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell, and was supposed to bring back, you know, supposed to have Nicolas Cage, I think, as the scarecrow and uh i think madonna or courtney love take your pick of what the rumor was back in the day as harley quinn and um there was that one scene that was going to bring back all the burton schumacher villains as like a fear toxin hallucination um so a lot of fans are speculating because of the cover image that they're going to use elements of that discarded script if they did that obviously they'd have to change certain things to you know exclude you know the likes of Riddler and, and Mister Freeze and Two Face and Poison. Well, not Two Face, but Riddler, Mister Freeze, and Poison Ivy, because we haven't seen those villains in the this Burton universe. Uh, so they'd have to finagle that. But two. So my two questions for you are: What are your thoughts on on the return of the Batman '89 continuity to comics, and then the, the potential? you know, idea that they may be borrowing uh, from, or the possibility that they could borrow from the plot of Batman Triumphant.
2: Well, as a fan of the original Burden films and of the Batman 89 series that we got, as you pointed out, either last year or the year before it, because I can't remember either. (laughs) But... Uh, yeah, man, the more the merrier. I really liked uh, what Sam Ham and Joe Quinones did with with that series. I'm happy to see that the same team is returning because that's not always the case. Mm. Um, you know, the, the premise sounds interesting. A, uh, a Gotham on fire sort of with without that hand and the citizens taking it upon themselves to step into... Uh, the role uh, that he filled. Yeah, man, sign me up. I think that sounds like a really, really, uh, like, fun and interesting premise. More the the merrier with this series, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, as far as, like, using ideas taken from Batman Triumphant, I mean, at this point, there are so many different treatments and scripts and (laughs) around that... Uh, that never got made but if they have some good ideas in them then then why not borrow from that you know Uh, at some point somebody thought it was good enough to to go into some sort of production so I mean you don't have to I'm not saying let's let's uh recreate the entire um the entire film that we didn't get in comic form but yeah if there's good stuff in there let's go for it
1: Yeah, I think my thing is I would take out as much as fans would have wanted to see that on film. I would take out, well, or I would rework the part about the the fear-induced sort of uh, uh, haunting of the past villains. Like I would still use the Joker and, you know, the uh, Billy Dee Williams, uh, uh, Harvey Dent and, you know, the Penguin, but I wouldn't use. You know, Mr. Freeze or Poison Ivy, yet. What I would do is I, I would hope to like save those for a sequel to this, you know, because I would like to see the Burton Schumacher iterations of uh, not Schumacher, but the Burton iterations of what Mr. Freeze and, you know, uh, Riddler could have been like. But I want a full fledged story with them and not just, hey, look, we're a hallucination. You know what I mean? Like, I want. I want full fledged stories with them, so that's the only thing that I would kind of tweak if they were going to use elements of that script. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love this world. You know, everybody knows who listens to this show that I love the, the the Tim Burton and Michael Keaton Batman. So, you know, this comic can go on to infinity as far as I'm concerned, and I keep buying it. Um, you know, I said I think I said when that book came out that if 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 DC announced that these books were ongoing, again, these are six issue, min- this is a six, another six issue miniseries, but if DC announced that the Batman 89 and the Superman 78 book uh, all of a sudden transition to ongoing series, I would legitimately drop every other book and just get the, those two and I'd be content and, I, and I'd and i be okay with that, like I'd, I'd survive, um, you know, um, but they're not doing that so i don't have to make that call but if i had to i would be content but so i mean i'm all for like you said the more of this world we can get um the better and it's you know what it's a nice it's a nice thing to have given the fact that it appears that we are not going to get uh, any more of michael keaton as batman beyond what we saw them in the flash so this is a nice way to keep that Batman going, um, and you never know. It keeps the hope eternal that hey, you know they do those animated movies. Imagine putting the the original Batman eighty nine and then eventually a uh, book, and then eventually this one as animated uh, films that Michael Keaton could do the voice for. Sure. Uh, you know, from his home in his pajamas, where it wouldn't be as intensive for him. Um, you know, that's a possibility. So who knows? But right now we're getting the comic, and I think you, you and I are both it's excited for it.
2: Until so. November, which is kind of a bummer.
1: Right, but you know the way time is going lately, it's it's it'll be here before we know it, and so um, um, we'll of course review it as it's coming out and uh, share our thoughts on this very show. So. Stay tuned for that as as that approaches. Um, But that pretty much does it for the news. Uh, There's not much this week. uh, um, But um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break now. And then after the break, we're going to come back and start revisiting Batman 66, the classic TV series starring Adam West and Burt Ward. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about our fandoms for that series. And then we're going to review the first two episodes of that classic series. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to take a break and we will uh, be be right back with some Batman 66. Stay tuned.
0: What's up, everyone? It's the Emerald Enthusiast. For all of your multiverse viewing and listening needs, check out our shows, which include Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, ghostbusters power rangers the marvel universe and the dc universe including the emerald echo podcast you can check us out on podbean and remember to subscribe right here on youtube that's the multiverse musings podcast network from the first podcast to the last
1: and we're back and as promised we're going in our time machine back to a much simpler time uh and we are going to discuss Batman, the series from 1966, as I mentioned before the break, starring Adam West as Bruce Wayne Batman and Burt Ward as Dick Grayson Robin. Um, Chris, before we get into the the nuts and bolts of those the two episodes that we're going to talk about. Let's give the viewers and listeners a little bit of background on our fandom and experience with the series. So, so take it away, what we'll, we'll started it all with this series for you?
2: Well, for me, Batman 66 is my original concept of what Batman was, both yeah. the series and the, the movie. I had the movie on a VHS that I watched over and over and over. And then I remember um, my grandfather had cable, and one of his cable channels would play the Batman 66 series reruns, and this was in, like, the early to mid-'80s. Mm. So when I was at his house on weekends, I would always watch the old episodes of Batman 66, and so I fell in love with all the characters. Um, yeah. And just the, the crazy, like, um, colors and how vibrant everything in this in the series was and the -the over-the-top villains and uh caesar romero painting over his mustache (laughs) Uh, i just i really you know this has a a warm place in my heart because it's it 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 preceded batman 89 i was eight when that movie came out so i was exposed to the the series and the in the 66 movie before before that
1: yeah Uh, Yeah, no, I'm I'm in a similar boat. I remember one of some of the earliest sort of memories I have. I had to have been four and five years old, you know, in that age range. It was a year before I I know it was a year before '89, but but or two years before '89, where there were reruns of the uh, Batman '66. You know, every every day in the afternoon, uh, around I think four or four thirty. And I remember it was a ritual where I'd you'd come home from school, right? You you have a snack, and it, oftentimes it was drug chip cookies and milk. And Batman was on TV, and I'd watch it. And you know, it, again, it was just for me, like you said, the the, the, the costumes, the colors, the the uh, um. The ga- you know, the gadgets that he had, the Batmobile, the the Batcomputer, the everything Bat, you know, associated, you know, the, uh, it, and and it, it, it just, the amazing thing is, is when I was a kid, there was no, I didn't understand the winking at the camera or, or you know, the playing it a certain way for adults. To me, it was. Dead serious, and when there was that, you know, peril, you know, in the first half of the, you know, of the two episodes, when there was the peril at the end of that first one, and they had to wait till the next day to find out what the hell was going to happen, there was legitimate concern that oh my god, are 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 Batman and Robin going to make it out? Um, so I took it very seriously. Well, it wasn't a joke when I was uh, uh, four and five years old, um, but it was just. And talk about like it just embraced what it was, which was a comic book show. Whereas you know when comic book shows began began to become commonplace, oh, we're not going to let the character wear the costume because we we don't want to go there. Like this had costume. I mean, it's you you look at the way Batman, Robin, the Riddler, the Joker, they all the way they all look it's as comic accurate to the comics of the time as you could get. So when we talk about, you know, comic accuracy today, about, you know, looking at Peacemaker or Blue Beetle's armor or, you know, uh, uh, Batman from BVS, the way he looks like the Frank Miller version, you know, for back then, that was as comic book accurate as, as you can get. Um, and the other thing for me was... All I noticed, and I didn't realize at the time. Again, you you don't really reconcile as a kid that it's an actor playing Batman. Uh, like you, you, when you look at it, it's just there's Batman. But um, as you go, and as I got older, and, and especially now, having the actor playing Batman, seeing my name across my first name across the screen—that's pretty damn cool, uh, right? So uh, all those things um just hooked me and obviously 89 then took it to another level but without Batman sixty six you know igniting a spark I don't know if we're sitting here having this conversation. Well, I, well we're not sitting here having a conversation about Batman 66 obviously but in general I don't know if we're having me sitting down having uh, this conversation. So it was it was very formative. In my understanding of of uh, who and, and what Batman was, and, and you know, all of those things, so it was it was very influential. Um, and I never, you know, there was a there was a period of time where a lot of fans kind of shunned it and pushed it to the side. I never did that. I always appreciated it for what it was. Uh, you know, even now, like you know. Years before it made a resurgence, like on when it came out on DVD, like I had always thought. Okay, I mean it was for its time. That was the the tone and 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 you know uh, that 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 they chose to 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 employ, and and it, it was what they wanted. So so I appreciated it for what it was, and I think Batman fans as a whole should should appreciate it for the simple fact that when it was released before it was released batman the batman comic book title sales weren't going great and it was on the verge of cancellation the popularity of the show led to a a a, a re-ignition of, of popularity in the comics so you know it saved the comic from you know almost cancellation so there's that aspect of it too uh, that i think you know it should be appreciated for, uh, and that was the first instance of, you know, Batmania, as we as we like to call it, was was back then, uh, you know, uh, and then we'd see it again in '89, and then again on that scale in probably 2008 with the Dark Knight, but that was the first, the first instance of it. So it was very, it was very. Uh, it's very influ- influential and it should be uh respected uh whether even for some people that, that don't care for the tone and, and tenor of it I think we, we they should have some reverence and respect for it for the simple fact of what it did for the character in terms of uh, uh, elevating his his stature in pop culture um so that that's that's my initial uh, thoughts on that but let's get into the episodes uh first up chris give us a little bit of background
2: well uh this as you mentioned it's a two-part episode um when this originally aired it would air on consecutive nights yeah so you'll see at the end of the episode it says tune in tomorrow not tune in next week um but (laughs) um this was executive produced by william dozier he is the one who's credited with bringing it to Uh, network television uh and starring of course uh adam west as batman slash bruce wayne and burt ward as dick grayson slash robin um we have um in this specific episode uh we have frank gorshin making his debut as the riddler um but other series regulars were neil hamilton as commissioner gordon stafford rep as chief o'hara alan napier as uh Alfred and Madge Blake as Aunt Harriet
1: indeed uh, and and I will say that that I really love Alan Napier's Alfred. Um, just off the like it's funny because in the first episode, in the first two, you really get a sense of him being the traditional you know, Butler type, you know, the, the but then, as we go along we see he gets involved in yeah. in the batmanning of it all and and we've seen that carry through you know through the course of 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 the adaptations so but you know he was he wasn't ju- i i know probably a lot of people when they think back think oh he was the most just the butler of 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 the alfreds but really if you if you look at the series and go back and watch he was much more than that
2: yeah, uh, even to the point of, in in the movie, he wears a mask and uh, pilots the Batmobile yeah. with Robin beside him as they uh, try to follow Bruce Wayne and Miss Kitka. Yeah, yeah, so,
1: there's a, yeah.
2: You're right, they they don't really lay much of that groundwork here. In this one, he is, in, in these two premiere episodes, he is, as you established, Bruce Wayne's butler, but we also see that, he is the one person in their private life, their personal life, who is yeah. aware of their secret. Yeah. Even even Aunt Harriet doesn't know that um, Bruce and Dick are Batman and Robin. Every time they're out, uh fighting, yeah, They tell her that they're on a fishing trip.
1: Yeah, there's going to be some sort of excuse, um, you know, as to where they're going, why they're going there, why they're out with the whole nine yards. Um, some of the interesting things of note for this episode, this first one especially, was here I think is one of the only few times, maybe the movie as well, where we get somewhat of a summation of of Bruce Wayne's origin. You know, we learn that that you know his parents were shot, they were killed, right? And then he mentions his he's trained for all this, you know, his whole life. So we get that we get the you know the 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 call's notes, you know, uh, uh, the sanitized for kids, as much as we can, version of the origin of, of of you know Batman, but that's really, I mean, do we need? I mean, in hindsight, you know, all these many years later as adults, I don't need more than that, really, for the purposes of this show.
2: No, in the in the first establishing shot of Bruce Wayne in Wayne Manor, um, he does mention that his parents were murdered when he was a young child, so we get that. Um, information immediately. And for comic book readers such as us and people who have grown up with this, um, with, with the Batman, different iterations of Batman throughout the course of our lives, you got to understand a lot of the people watching this series in 1966 premiering um, on network television in prime time, they haven't read Batman before. They don't have uh, four different Batman iterations on film that, that they can reference to know the backstory, you had to give it to them. Um but you're right, it is it's sanitized in that um we don't really hear the details of it and it's certainly not shown on screen. It's just referenced um by by Bruce Wayne. And then as you mentioned later in the episode, Batman mentions how he how he's been training for fighting crime basically since the night his parents were murdered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I liked the way it was done for the purposes of like for the nature of what this show was. It did just enough, you know. Uh, The other thing that I really liked uh, was that they just thrust you into the world that where uh, of Batman exists, and the police are terrible at their job, so we need to call him to do it for us. And they even allude to that we can never figure it out ourselves.
2: Yeah, they so um, our our um, initiation into the world of Batman is brought through the prism of the Gotham City Police Department. We yeah. see that they have received a clue from Riddler and they mention that Riddler has stumped them dozens of times. And Commissioner Gordon goes around the room and like calls out specific people and is like, hey man, are you ready? Are you up for this? You think you can tackle the Riddler? Can you handle this? And every one of them like hang their heads. There. No nobody wants to step up and um and and be the one who answers the call. So we see our, our first uh glance of the red bat phone that leads directly to Wayne Manor. So they have to they have to call in Batman to do their their job for them because they can't do it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's cool because um obviously now they're the iconic iconography all the all iconic things that we're used to for the show but think about it from the perspective of back then you're seeing the red phone for the first time the bat pulls for the first time the sliding down getting into the car going around the bend right with the sign this is six miles or gotham city whatever it was six miles miles. yeah 14 thank you 14 miles um
2: in episode two There's a sign that says six miles. That's it's the other
1: place. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's why I was getting confused. Yeah. No, but like you get all the iconic the things that we think of as staples of the series here. Imagine getting them for the first time, and you know I love the eighty nine Batmobile, but I also love me that sixty six Batmobile.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Uh, It just, I mean,
2: and and while you're mentioning uh, things that you see for the first time this is our uh first glimpse of the walking up the wall gag um, yeah no no celebrity faces poke out of the windows to to see the cape crusaders in this episode that probably came later when the show was like super popular and everybody yeah. wanted to be on it and they were like well you can't play a villain uh but we can have we can have you open this window and say a funny crack about batman and robin real quick um, but we get we get that, and then we also get the very uh, colorful um, bam, pow, zap um, bu- uh, word bubbles that appear on the screen during fight scenes. Yeah. Um. So that was new at the time, and I, you know, you've seen you've seen other uh, media even copy that. Um, yeah. It was such a a, but, a big
1: phenomenon. But when you think about it in hindsight, all they're doing is replicating the sounds you hear when characters hit and punch each other in the comics or you know the, the, not the sounds you hear because if you're right. hearing a comic uh see a doctor um but you know the the sounds that are are written when characters punch and kick each other in the comics they're just being put on screen and that is such an invent like who would think that, like that the fact that they had that. F- thought process to actually let's it's in the comic let's put it on the screen like who would ever think of that like you know like
2: and it's very colorful and vibrant and I get yeah,
1: yeah yeah and, and when, and
2: when the, the music goes along with it like the 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 music um yeah. that is being played in the scene the horns will sound really loud when one of those uh like uh, shots lands and you see the word bubbles so it's all tied together very well um in in the editing and in like the sound production you yeah. do a great job
1: with it Agreed. yeah and you know an interest two interesting things is you know the riddler is shown to be very um very cunning very intelligent and very much able to um succeed at least initially in 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 fooling and stopping batman and robin in their tracks like that whole setup uh to get to lure them out only to have them look like they're assaulting him and so that he could hit them with a lie with a lawsuit i i thought that was ingenious uh you know uh and
2: yeah our Um, introduction to riddler isn't even him committing a crime it's him uh setting things up to look like he's committing a crime but then when he is falsely apprehended by batman and robin his his whole plan is to file a million dollar lawsuit against them which is so quaint to think about in 1966 a million dollars was a great sum of certainly in today's standards, it would probably be like a billion that he was seeking. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah, that's 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 kind of the the Riddler's plan here, at least in the beginning of the episode, is to make Batman and Robin look foolish and to take them to court.
1: And we also get a well, but what I liked about it, leading up to that, you know, Batman and Robin were very were shown to be very intelligent in in, in being able to decipher the riddles. Yeah, uh, I, I like how they, they they gave both Batman and Robin, uh, you know, ample time to shine as the as the solver of the riddle. Right, so it wasn't just Robin, or it wasn't just Batman. They equally, you know, it was a partnership, and they really kind of showed that. The other, the other distinction that I think is important to make is Batman says it when he goes to arrest the Riddler, right, as a deputized officer of the law. So he is. In this iteration, the the idea of him being a vigilante is not entirely accurate because he is is sanctioned by the GCPD uh, to do what he's doing.
2: Yes, this isn't the Christopher Nolan world where the uh, police officers are trying to apprehend Batman and bring him in and uh, unmask him and find out who he is. They are fully on board with Batman and Robin acting uh, in the manner of, as you put it, fully deputized agents of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have all of that legal power behind it, and mm-hmm. the police are also on board with wanting to protect their identity. Um, you know, you see in the in the Batman '66 movie when uh, Miss Kitka um, says something about Batman removing his mask, and Commissioner Gordon is like, "Great heavens! Great Scott!" We would never think of asking Batman to do that. That would re- reveal his true identity, and then he wouldn't be yeah. able to, to to fight crime. So yeah. you're right; it's it's a different um, Batman than what it's a different relationship between Batman and the Gotham City Police Department than what we see in later iterations.
1: Yeah, and, and even though it's quite different, just him like being you know in the same room in broad you know with the other cops, with Commissioner Gordon. It just reminded me of that scene in the Batman, when he walks into the crime scene with Commissioner Gordon. And because I remember, I I, I became, when I, going back to when I watched the Batman, I became the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, when, you know, when he when he sits up and he points at the, at the screen. That, was, when, when that scene came in, when he's walking into the crime scene with Commissioner Gordon, right by his side, that was Matt Reeves kind of, giving a nod to Batman 66, albeit it's different because he's still a vigilante and the only one that wants him there is Gordon. It's still, you know, you brought back memories of 66. So when I saw it here, I'm like, ah, there I did it again. It was double, it was like a the point within a point to, to <laughs> it's like inception for that meme. But um that is just a cool thing. Um we also get the origin of or we see which has become a classic meme now the the Batusi. for the first time you know that's we, we see that, and you know you got to love Batman at 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 the, at the nightclub his drink of choice is a glass of orange juice um, freshly
2: squeezed, orange.
1: and he, and he still gets screwed over because it still ends up being spiked so he can't win. Right. <laughs>
2: He's he's breaking it down pretty good with Molly out on that dance floor. Yeah, I mean um like you see like you said, everyone has seen the meme of the yeah, yeah. uh Batusi, And it, we were introduced it to, to it in the very first episode yeah. and it became iconic.
1: Yeah. Um and of course Robin is waiting in the car in the Batmobile because he's not of legal age to enter
2: right he's underage. he right? can't go yeah. into the club
1: you know and batman's reaction to that was well of course it's a lot you know so sucks to be you sit outside and, and do reconnaissance yeah and um,
2: you
1: know,
2: um but you know a couple things regarding robin number one uh this is the first time we see like the the um the computer screen in the batmobile where he's able to view the inside of the club yeah uh, assuming there's some mysterious cameraman inside there uh actually feeding him that footage Um, but we also we don't really get uh any kind of um origin for robin's story in these episodes he is he is referred to as bruce wayne's ward but we never we we aren't told uh why this is the case how he came how they came to be in that arrangement and of course comic readers will know what happened to uh, Robin's parents? But we don't really get that in the show.
1: Yeah, and uh, we assume that Aunt Harriet is his actual aunt, and not just not just being a respectful term that you call a woman that is is your your elder, right? Um, but uh, so we assume that she's his actual aunt. Um, but um, you know, so Batman is drugged because Molly is a plant of the Riddlers. Uh, as is apparently the bartender because he spiked the drink, um, Robin is 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 hit with a a, a, a dart that knocks him out, you know, that puts him to sleep, and he's kidnapped. Um,
2: and uh, I'd like to point out when when uh, Riddler kidnaps Robin, uh, he tries to steal the Batmobile. Um, but this is uh, our introduction to one of those ingenious bat gadgets that you mentioned. Uh, the the Batmobile has an anti-fire activator, so yeah. um, uh, it's able to put out the fire that Riddler tries to start in the passenger seat.
1: And I love the fact that, like, the you know, the Batmobile being able to to sort of protect and shield itself is something again you see in a different form but later down the line in about my returns and this and that and so like but but it all stems from you know probably this this iteration um and it just amazes me whether it's the gadgets in the car or the back computer or you know all the all the the shenanigans he's got in his utility belt they really they this is really the the james bond the most james bond batman has ever been i think
2: he's got everything you need even yeah. even the batarang which he pulls out uh in the first episode he pulls it out from his utility belt the the batarang is way too big to fit in that pocket on the utility belt but they make it work anyway like he pulls yeah. that thing out and it's like this long and the pocket yeah. on his belt is like this small and it says yeah. batarang on it um, so but yeah. you don't like you don't question it, you just go with it,
1: yeah, and it's 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 but it's the interesting thing is like uh, just by him having all those gadgets, you would surmise that, okay, he created those, right? Like he made those. So it shows like it goes back to the you know that early origin panel where where Batman is training in not just physically and martial arts, but in science. So the explanation of how he can create these things, right? you go back to the early panels of the comics he's scientifically inclined right so he can he can create all these different inventions, right and it's it's believable so they're touching on uh, ever so briefly but they're touching on that aspect of batman which is you know and and he does a lot of detecting in this in this episode so they're touching on the detective aspect of batman as well so they've really got all the aspects of his personality that we that probably comic readers, if there were at this point in time, had become accustomed to, and it's all here. You know, and so you you gotta give it credit for for that level of detail and accuracy. Um
0: well, yeah,
2: like you point out, you know, he did have to create all these gadgets, and we are also introduced to the trope of them uh being uh, like almost genius level intellects in the way that they solve the riddler's uh different riddles um because you know that's the whole reason they were called in in the first place the the police can't uh crack his can't crack his codes but um batman knows that knows that there is a pattern to what the riddler does and he even discovers secret hidden riddles that are hidden inside the paper outlining the lawsuit yeah um, so like you that's uh that's very correct that you point out that he is very um analytically inclined from what we see in these first two episodes
1: yeah and, and so you know it, the the first episode ends with robin being captured batman being drugged we get the, we get the uh, i'm assuming we're gonna rate these as two episodes right like together because they're one story yeah. And so you, yeah so That's the break at the end of that episode. And that's where we get the, you know, Will Robin survive? Will Batman find him in time? Tune in next time, same time, same channel. And then it transitions to the second episode, which was titled uh, uh, Smack in the Middle, right? Smack in the Middle. Yeah. Um, And so this episode, you know, we see uh, Riddler and Molly and his henchmen underground, and they're making this, They've got Robin tied up and they make this Mission Impossible type face mask that looks identical to Robin and right. then Mo- Molly dresses up in a Robin costume and is essentially planted for Batman to find and take back to the Batcave where the Riddler has instructed her to take Batman out. Um, and all he, that
2: she tries to fire her gun and it doesn't fire. And that Batman says he, when she wasn't paying attention in the Batmobile, he disabled the gun's firing pin with his with his laser and in, in the Batmobile.
1: So he's even got a laser in the Batmobile. Uh, so yeah, you know, he outsmarts the villain even when they think they have the upper hand. Um, he
2: says this, he knew that it wasn't really Robin because the nostrils. Um, were like I guess they were like too perfect from the straws that they created breathing holes for or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's so again, deductive, you know, detective work. We don't necessarily see that. No, that all that play out. But again, we only have twenty five minutes per episode, right. so they they can show you all that. Um, and it's not Christopher Nolan involved, so they don't have to show you all that. Um, the things get a little dark though because. Molly tries to escape being being wrangled in by Batman and she climbs the, the nuclear rea- reactor that's powering the Batmobile. And when Batman goes to save her, she's too afraid and she falls in. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty dark.
2: It's pretty dark. Um you know batman comments that he wishes she would have uh let him save her yeah
1: um
2: but yeah molly apparently seemingly falls to her death and um i should point out molly is played by jill st john who i believe was kind of like a pretty big star at the time right so i I, I think it was kind of a a big deal that she was like a guest starring on these first two episodes of this brand new series absolutely Um, and uh, yeah they killed her character off in the second episode.
1: And and it's funny because what what's funny is later on in the episode when when Batman goes to rescue Robin you know they they they're they're, they're they're trapped by Riddler in this bulletproof glass. And at one point, you know, Batman's banging on the glass in frustration and I'm like you know you, you, like why are you, why are you even bothering banging on the glass? You blew a hole in the side of the, uh, the side of the room. You created your own entrance, and I guess they remember that afterwards because the next thing you know, you know, they just go out the side like it's nothing. Right. So I that kind of made me thought. laugh. That, that made me laugh. I'm like, why is he getting so upset? It was a giant hole.
2: Same thought. They just <laughs> showed a whole scene with yeah. him setting up this uh, like explosive on the outside of the, uh, on the other side of the wall to um to riddler's lair and he blew a hole clean in the side of the thing
1: yeah there's a there's a giant uh you know hole inside the building what are you worried about uh so then we eventually get the showdown right uh back at the uh i think it was dar museum in Mold- the moldavian uh art-, art kind of exhibit right Yep. and it's the typical it's your, your standard batman and robin fight the riddler and all the goons um and that's where you were talking about how we get the the, the the fighting with the punching and the word the word balloons um and uh, at the end of it all Riddlers hit with a, a was the laughing gas bomb? I think it was yeah and uh, uh, Bruce and Dick when they're back in the manor uh, you know Dick is like, well surely that must have got him because they didn't find a body and then you know, Bruce already sets it up that you know. Well, we we don't know because they didn't find the body, so he may come back to uh, to torment us yet again, right? Um,
2: yep. And they they set that up by saying that the lawsuit against Batman has been dropped yeah. because the Lord didn't show up in court. So he he is missing, presumed dead, but as we know, he is not.
1: He's far from it uh, because he'll return several times throughout the uh, the course of the series to
2: uh and played to... by more than one actor
1: yes yeah um but we'll get we'll, we'll we'll cross that particular bridge uh when we come to it but uh is there anything else you want to point out about these two episodes before we go ahead and rate this um
2: not really um you know this is just this is our introduction these two episodes are our our introduction to this world and to the characters that inhabit this world uh like you mentioned um it drops us right into the middle of it. it it's not an origin story um and it hits the ground running and for the budgets that they had in 1966 and for what they were allowed to do on tv and for the type of family programming they were trying to uh gear because the- everything back then was family programming you had to be able to sit down and watch it with, yeah. with all all the members of your family or else it wasn't getting past the censors.
1: there's no hbo folks the-
2: yeah. yeah yeah you
1: def- ain't getting game of thrones
2: right um <laughs> As a, as a time capsule of of when it was produced um i think it's fantastic and here we are uh 57 years later and i still enjoy watching it um
1: oh yeah i had a blast
2: today as much as i did 35 yeah. years ago when i was a kid
1: i, I definitely can't can't wait to revi- to keep going through the series um on the podcast but um uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, wh- when we give our ratings, keep in mind we're rating it under the prism of of of, of what Chris just talked about, all, all of that thing- those things involved. But so what would you, uh, a letter grade, what would you rate these first two episodes, this, this premiere, if you will?
2: Oh, this is a solid A. Uh, we get yeah. Batman's analytical and deductive skills. We get a vibrant and uh, on top of his game, Frank Gorshin as, as our first villain on the show. Um and we uh you know we get great performances like you pointed out by Alan Napier um and all around just yeah this is solid man it's a, it's an A for
1: me yeah it's absolutely an A just because it gives you everything you'd want when if if you, you try to conceive a, a family friendly Batman show right and certain things you want the first premiere episode they literally give you. A, a, a sampling of everything.
2: You get Wayne Manor, the yeah. Batcave, the Batmobile—all yeah. classic and iconic.
1: You, you get great, you know, uh, some cool fight scenes. The, the the first entrance of Batman and Robin, where, where they break through the window. Yeah, and but but gently resting the the, the, <laughs> the screen on a on a bat hook that's in his belt because, gotta watch the. The onlookers below, we can't hurt anybody. So, conveniently has a battle, okay? <laughs> about, but it's all there. And uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. And you know, watching it as a, as a now 40 year old man, I, I think I was just as engrossed rewatching it as I was when I was four, which was the first time I probably saw it. So, um, um, yeah, I, it's a name for me as well. So, uh, thoroughly enjoyable and like i said i can't wait to go through the rest of the series throughout the course of the uh on these podcasts but also we have the the good fortune of being able to dive into uh the comic books based on the series that that came out years later and the animated movies that that uh, the two animated movies that that uh, came after the long after the series was done as well so we've got a lot to cover when it comes to uh uh, Batman sixty six, and I'm looking forward to doing that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, that brings the show to a close. And if you want to uh, to get in touch um, with Chris or I to talk about Batman sixty six uh, or any other uh, version of Batman you so choose to discuss with us, you can on social media. Chris, where do they track you down?
2: i'm on twitter at chris n harrelson or you can search for commodore schmidlap that's my uh or x as we call it now instead of twitter uh oh, commodore schmidlap is my username on there um and yeah i'm on facebook too adam will post about this in the group so yeah yeah on there too
1: yeah and if you want to follow me it's at adam underscore leafs fan on twitter or x or whatever the heck it's called nowadays might change next week uh we also have a the page for the podcast network on there, which is at <clears throat> mmnpdc. We have a Facebook group. It's uh, listed in the description below. Click the link. I will add you, and we can continue the conversation there. But remember, Batman sixty six is forever. From the first time Alfred answers that re- the special red phone to the last. So long, everybody.
2: Bye.